It is so good to see you. Y'all look great. I have missed you much, and I've been overwhelmed by how many of you have followed my sabbatical on my blog. My friend Bill Carter and Joel here at church were the two who encouraged me to take on that project, and after I started a couple of days in, Bill called me and said, dude, I, I, I wanted you to write a paragraph, not an essay. So for those of you who have suffered through the length of my reflections, I apologize in advance. After being gone for three months, I'm a little worried that I can't remember how to write a sermon or deliver it, but uh, I trust you will be gracious um, as well. Well, one of the places that I'd hoped to visit on my sabbatical was my old church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Covenant Presbyterian. Covenant is an absolutely stunningly beautiful English Gothic church with uh, absolutely gorgeous stained glass. And the stained glass um, windows were designed with great uh, artistry and plenty of thought. The, the chancel windows, there are three in the apse, three bays of four windows each, are for the Trinity. Uh, the middle ones for Jesus, the four windows are four I am sayings to help us understand who Jesus is. And on the right, the, the windows for the Holy Spirit, two of the four are surprisingly Bach and Beethoven as a reminder that the Spirit energizes and imagines through art and music to help us glorify God. But what would you... What images would you make for the four windows representing the first person of the Trinity? How would you, in stained glass, help express who God is? Well, instead of, of pictures of God, the four windows on the left are images of four prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, and Hosea, representing attributes of God's character. Isaiah for God's holiness, Jeremiah for God's righteousness, Amos for God's justice, and Hosea for God's mercy, God's chesed, God's never-failing love. I've always thought that that was a wonderful way to help our sanctified imagination grasp what the writer of Ephesians praised we would comprehend of the breadth and length and height and depth of God. But Hosea is not an easy book to read or to understand. Hosea is the prophet of love, but not necessarily love as we imagine or fantasize about it being. Rather, he himself was a parable of God's love for God's people who had turned their back on Yahweh and were following after foreign gods, the balls. A contemporary prophet, a contemporary of the prophet Amos, they were writing in the 8th century BC, a, a time of when Israel is falling apart, and they're warning about the dangers of injustice and idolatry and a coming Assyrian attack. Amos focused mostly on social injustice, the, the breakdown of human relationships, the horizontal dimension, whereas Hosea pointed more to the idolatry, the failure to love God alone. 
The two issues, love of neighbor and love of God, as Jesus tells us, are opposite sides of the same coin. The the book of Hosea opens with the report of four symbolic actions undertaken by the prophet at the command of the Lord. The first is marriage to Gomer, while the other three are the symbolic naming of three children born to their relationship. Symbolic actions are a common feature in the prophetic activity. Uh, Of course, the marriage of Hosea and Gomer, like the relationship of God and Israel, was begun in the purity of the covenant. And then through the unfaithfulness on the part of Gomer, the chosen one, like the unfaithfulness of Israel, marriage was broken and betrayed. Hosea was uses metaphors of a broken marriage, a spurned husband, and a suffering parent to help us understand God's heart. And throughout it raises a a question, does God give up? Our, Our text this morning from the 11th chapter of Hosea, near the end of the book, gives us an answer. Hear the word of God. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son, God says. The more I called them, the more they went for me. They kept sacrificing to the balls and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but He does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion when he roars. His children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Two Sundays ago, I was worshiping in a 4,000-seat open amphitheater at the Chautauqua Institute in upstate New York. I wasn't alone. Amy was with me, but so were Lane and Hugh Harvey, Kelly and Bill Christie, Catherine and Ken Garrison, Linda Kuhn, Mary Wheeler, and Harriet Bob Sewell. They all were there, too. Chautauqua has been described as a summer camp for adults, but that frankly sells it far short. 
If you know the Montreat Sunday School Assembly or the Mont Eagle Sunday School Assembly or Montreat, both were born out of the Chautauqua movement. Started in the 1880s as a summer training ground for Methodist Sunday school teachers, it grew into an interdenominational summer season with nationally known preachers and teachers, a symphony orchestra, an opera company, all nestled next to a beautiful lake surrounded by Victorian houses. My job was to be the chaplain of the Presbyterian house, which was pretty light duty considering half of the house was taken up with Westminster members. But we were all eager to hear the preacher of the week, Father Greg Boyle, who's the founder and director of Homeboys Ministry. Started in L.A. 30 years ago, Homeboys offers an exit ramp for those stuck in the silent of violence and incarceration. It is the largest gang intervention program and rehabilitation program in the world. The organization's holistic approach with free services and programs supports about 10,000 men and women a year as they work to overcome their past, reimagine their futures, and break the intergenerational cycles of gang violence. His ministry is all about not giving up on people most everyone else has given up on, reminding them that God has not forsaken them either. Father Boyle told about the power of not giving up, of how looking at one with tenderness in the eyes can be so powerful. He told the story about one homeboy who had recently lost his mother. The mother was a, a, a great pillar in the church that Father Boyle is associated with and much beloved in the community. And they were talking about how fabulous a mother she had been, even though the son often couldn't hear it. How when he was incarcerated, she would take seven buses, seven, to come to spend 20 minutes looking across a table just so that she could look tenderly in his eyes because she knew no one else was. And occasionally she'd also smuggle in a burrito to show him how much she cared. She wouldn't give up on him. And that helped him know that God wouldn't give up either. The sabbatical was such a gift, and it gave me ample time to reflect on the way God used other people to share grace with me over the years. Part of what I wanted to do as a project was to think about the theology of friendship, how friendship is a sacrament, and to reconnect with many friends from all the various different chapters of my life. I was blessed beyond the telling to do that, and I cannot thank you enough for the gift of such time. But one of the surprises was remembering people who at very critical times were God's agents of grace when I was hard to love, when they would have had every right to give up on me. When I was back in my hometown of Bethlehem visiting my home church, I remembered Mrs. Mariah Lemming, Joe Lemming's mom. My late elementary and early junior high school years, you know, years that are pretty challenging for most of us anyway, were made more so because of my mother's battle with cancer and death when I was 13. During those years when I was so angry and sullen and awkward, 
well, more than I usually am anyway. (laughs) Mrs. Lemming faithfully would add me to the carpool with her son, Joe, and take me to youth club at church. She was such a ray of sunshine in a dark season. I hadn't thought of her in years, but as I walked through the old youth group and choir rooms, memories of her graciousness kept coming back. And I began to wonder what different directions my life would have taken had that intervention not happened at that time. For you see, it was at church I learned about the God who does not give up on us. It was at church I learned the deep truth of the hymn that sings, My song is love unknown. My Savior's love to me, love to the loveless shown, that they might lovely be. Big word, sanctification. God has given us the ability to grow up to be like and love like God. My friend Bill Carter has been counseling me to ease back into the church work after the sabbatical. He's called me three times this week to make sure I've not been overworking. I hardly have the heart to tell him that our church is about six times the size of his, and mostly that's not an option, especially when Donovan and Heidi get out of town as soon as I get back. So I had a bit of debate with myself about going to a meeting at Treveca on Tuesday night, the first day I got back to work. Meeting was billed from 6 to 7.30, so I called Amy. I said, sweetie, I won't be home for dinner. I'll be a little bit late. But Lord, was I glad I went. It was for the, the Operation Andrew group, and especially for their ministry, United for Hope. I sit on the board of Operation Andrew, and I'm grateful I went. I wasn't alone when I got there. Jackie Schrego was there. Jackie works with our team in partnership with Hillwood High School in our, opera, in our United for Hope program. She coordinates our work with our partner, and to my surprise, one of the featured speakers was Jeremy Quinones, the site manager of Hillwood. He told about one of the teachers there noticing a young girl in her class who came into school each day with the same clothes on and that she wouldn't meet the teacher's eye. And after class one day, the teacher saddled over close to her and, and, and talked with her a little bit and encouraged her, saying that there's a room in the school where churches have given clothing and supply for free. Would you come and and let's maybe pick out some clothes? The girl went a little bit shy and a little bit frightened, but there was a a mom from one of the churches there who quickly pulled her up, and soon they had a a whole armful of clothes to go try on, and soon there was laughter and, and joy, and the girl went home. Jeremy said the next day the teacher found him, to say that the girl came into class and looked her square in the eyes and said, now I feel like I belong. Then Jeremy looked at the room 
filled with people from around Nashville and said it was volunteers from Westminster and Hillwood Presbyterian Church that has made this difference. Well, after I dried my eyes and got the lump out of my throat, I turned to Jackie to thank her for helping us to share God's love in the community right around us. Oh, that's not the best story, she said. Do tell. One of our volunteers, she said, was tutoring a girl, but was doing so in Spanish, the girl's language. Our member didn't feel like it was going so well. But all of a sudden, the girl jumped up and hugged her, thanking her for caring enough to speak to her in her native language. Church, your ministry matters. It may seem like a small thing, but in the economy of God, small things add up in the kingdom. In a world where pessimism and nihilism and atomization and are breaking apart often seem to rule the day, and some people want to give up while others feel that no one cares for them, your showing up as Christ's body in a broken world gives hope. Yesterday, two of our families got back from Swaziland doing work over there with a ministry called Project Canaan for the heart of Africa, and we'll hear about that in, in two Sundays. And I'm so grateful today Tom Boone is here. Tom, give a little wave from the Outreach Foundation. He'll be teaching Sunday school, and I hope that you'll come to hear about the work that the Outreach Foundation is doing in Ukraine and how they're inviting churches just like ours to link hands to continue that work. Our partnership with the Outreach Foundation has enabled us to see that God hasn't given up on God's people in hard places like Mozambique and Swaziland and Syria and Lebanon and Pakistan and, yes, the Ukraine. God doesn't give up. And God invites us to love like we don't give up either. For once upon a time, there was a man named Hosea. A man of two passions. One is the stern voice of judgment. And then the other, Isaiah, comes striding in out of the shadows, holding his heart in his hand and saying, See, 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 this is what God is like. And all of it, the hurt and the humiliation, the rage and the throbbing pain, begin to make a little sense when they were gathered up in the arms of God who said, How can I give up on you? I will heal their faithfulness. I will love them freely. I will be as due to Israel. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. Which shadow in the shape of the cross now falls upon the whole world, gathers the utmost parts of the earth into its outstretched arms, and draws us here again this week to experience God's grace. Friends, I am so thankful to be back with you. God bless you. Amen.